the hilarity of all of this is Spurs, Everton and Arsenal are all fighting it out to qualify for the fucking Europa Conference League. Three pigeons fighting over a bit of lettuce, isn't it? When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. That's Vieira! Absolutely fantastic! Thierry Henry! He scored! He scored for Arsenal! It is just what Pierre Emerick Aubameyang does. Gabriel Martinelli has equalised for the Gunners! Welcome back to the, it's 7.45am and I've not had enough cut, oh, fucking hell, fuck that, didn't I? No, just leave it in there because that is the perfect example of where we are today, Alex. <laughs> Podcast. Yeah. A lighter look at Arsenal with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend, Bradley Adams. Hello, Alex, mate. How you doing? Why are we up so early, Brad? Um, because I have a job and uh, things I do, do for you, night. Brad. The things, the things you do I for do. me, my beautiful man. Whatever oh. would I do without you? Did you see that guy from River Plate who was in goal? No. So the Copper, I'm going to butcher this and I apologise in advance. Copper Libertadores, I think it's called. Yeah, Copper Libertadores. Um, he's showing me up there. Uh, there was 20 COVID cases and one of their midfielders went in goal. And I watched the highlights He's better than Runison, mate. <laughs> Was he? Yeah. <laughs> the, the, um, the best thing I remember, like, well, obviously we, have, we haven't really seen a lot of Runison, but um, there was this thing on Twitter which was like, has the um, because it was Dean Henderson versus Salah and he's got like the worst position. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and then somebody... Um, um, quote tweeted it with the photo of Runison where he's basically standing on his post and then somebody quote tweeted that by saying it's all fun and games until you realise that Mares scored this goalkeeper side <laughs> oh god fucking hell I, st- I still have like a bit of a Runison agenda but but perhaps it's not for now um, as in like the, the I Runison, think the, the, the agenda is he should be sent back to Denmark or wherever he's from Denmark Iceland it's Iceland. Iceland. You're making me check myself. Down. Yeah, Iceland. Yeah. Um, it's been a while, Brad. Feels like we it haven't has. been doing this for a while. Well, we um, didn't, and I've finally we didn't got my, one at the weekend. We didn't. No, I've finally got my Wi-Fi fixed as well, so we're back on our usual. It all feels. It all feels good. Do you know what? Your Listen, Wi-Fi's got fixed, and mine has gone to shit about the same time. <laughs> the irony. <laughs> it's it's sort of indicative of Arsenal Football Club, isn't it? One thing, oh, one thing gets yeah. patched up, and the next thing falls apart. Um, Arsenal 3, Crystal Palace 1 in Roy Hodgson's mm. last game uh, at Selhurst Park. Um, we've never lost a Premier League game where a teenager has scored. Yeah, 50 wins, that 10 stat. draws. That's a great stat. I love that. The last time, you had to go back to 1987 with Paul Merson to find the last time we lost a game where a teenager has scored, which is incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, go on then. Overall feelings. Um, all right. I thought we we were... Look, I think, just to get it out of the way, I tweeted this out yesterday. Whoever was on VAR was abominable yesterday. Um, I think there's some context as to why. I think so often refs are scared to change game state so early on. And like we've seen this season a couple of times with the Mane incident on Tierney, literally within the first few minutes. 
this incident and a couple more in kind of other games before, refs don't want to red card people too early because they feel like it ruins the game. I don't, as a fan, uh, even as a neutral fan, I don't give a shit. Like, if it's a red, it's a red. (laughs) Yeah, Schlupp should have been sent off because it's pretty much an identical challenge to the Aubameyang one in the reverse fixture from last season, I think. Uh, And there's barely an attempt to play the ball. It's dangerous foul play. Could have really, really, could have really, really injured Chambers. And okay, you look at it and you go, it's five minutes in. I'm not, he should have sent him off, but I'm not surprised. But there is no excuse for the VAR official watching Christian Benteke elbow Mohamed Elneny in the throat and not sending him off. That that yeah. VAR official should should genuinely never work at a, at a Premier League level again. Because it, it, it is, utter, and this is why I love VAR. Because what I hope VAR ends up being is a catalyst for massive change in this country when it comes to refereeing. You've said many times you love VAR, yeah. If VAR has done nothing (laughs) but this in its entire existence, it would have been worth it. Because maybe it puts... We see so many replays now that it's starting to put pressure on the FA and officials to be good at their jobs. And hopefully we see some reform and some changes, both in the way the VAR is used, but also in the people that are used to ref these games. And hopefully we start to see an improvement when it comes to leveling a uh, level of officiating. Um, but whoever, genuinely, whoever was in the in the VAR room, um, Merson put it right on Sky Sports News. He said you get kicked out of a nightclub for that. Like, yeah, that's you, very true. You, you, the, you the, would, I think you could be a, like that. That is that is assault. Like, it, it, like you're literally, and your elbow is one of the strongest parts of your body. Like, it's it's, it's a yeah. dangerous part of your body. Like the fact that he what the fact that somebody looked at that and went, ah, that's all right, is embarrassing both for the didn't FA they, and the person. Didn't they both just both get a yellow? Yeah, yeah, and Mohamed Al Neni got a yellow for being elbowed in the face. Yeah, bizarre, really bizarre. Um I think from next oh, I think from next season I'm I'm pretty sure there's going to be like proper VAR officials in terms of set in stone people who just do VAR may fix something. I think Anthony Taylor is going to be a a specific VAR official, I don't really know, but yeah, there's a couple of them sort of early on. I think uh Schlupp definitely had one. Ward Schlupp had one. There was, a, there was a weird moment with um Tierney where he kicked the back of his feet. They were getting, they were a bit down and dirty, and I thought for Roy Hodgson's last game felt felt a little bit like, like because it's it's just massive irony. You're singing, um, what what were they singing about? Like cheating Arsenal players? Yeah, always or something. Literally after three of their players could have could have you could make an argument. I I don't think that um. I don't know. Was it Ward that kicked out at Tierney's legs? I don't think. Like I think that's a moment of petulance. Yeah, a yellow card for that is fine. You know, because that's that's the moment where you brandish a yellow card to start controlling the game to let people know that if that happens again, it's going to get worse. But Schlupp rolled his ankle. But Schlupp went right should have gone. Ankle. Benteke should have gone. And then, you know, it's classic Arsenal that the guy who shouldn't be on the pitch scores against us. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Arsenal have won four consecutive Premier League games for the first time under Mikel Arteta. Um, I also just want to point out, just before we get into the game analysis, Brad, 
Um, and actually, we can have a discussion about this. Premier League goals this season. Timo Werner with six. Joe Willock Joe with Willock seven. With seven. Joe Willock is... Isn't it, is it, is it seven since January as well? Yeah, it's it's like seven goals in seven games or something around. I mean, he's in unbelievable form. Um, There's never been a better time to sell Joe Willock. Okay, you're still you're still minded to sell. I just think, I I think that he suits Newcastle's style of play, and too often we've we've done something. Not every player can acclimatize or perform at their kind of optimum level with every system. It takes a very versatile player to do that, and I think that with Newcastle in that style of play, he's found his level. Now, we're not going to play that style of football. It's the same reason that you probably wouldn't want to sign St. Maximan for Arsenal because what he does Mm. is he picks it up on the halfway line, bombs it down the wing and whips it in, which is not the kind of thing that he's going to be doing for us. And I think that so often we've sent a player out on loan and gone, oh, do you know what? They're performing great. It's time. We should bring them back and bring them back in. Whereas I think this is a perfect opportunity for us especially to look at what's going on and go well do you know what there has never been so often we've sold players at their low this is this is a premium opportunity yeah. because we've had a lot of time to see Joe Willock in the Arsenal setup and it's no surprise that he's ex- he's kind of exploded going out of the Arsenal setup into a setup that suits him more he's at his peak value this is the time to cash out we don't want to end up like all the crypto users who've just lost everything in the last two days. <laughs> I'm not going to pretend to understand that reference. Um, do you not think there's some kind of value in Willock? If if we're going to play this sort of six and two eights kind of system against, against certain teams, do you see Willock able to play one of those eights? And do you think that's enough of a squad role? I mean, like, I can kind of see that. And I think as someone who can arrive late into the box and we need goals from midfield... Is there not a, a situation where p- potentially new contract, we keep him for another season, see what he can do? Or you just... I, mean, I, I think he could. I wouldn't hate that. Listen, I think he could. But I think the question then becomes is, where, like, could we get somebody who suits our style of play more? Could, like... Because uh, we might not, you know, since Christmas, we've we've played those two roaming eights a couple of times, but... We're not particularly. We we tend to play more of a four two three one, um, which seems to be a currently our best formation. Uh, I I do just think that it's it's peak value time to sell because if we get thirty thirty five million pounds in for him, there's talk of Awar being available for thirty million pounds, and if you're giving me the option of selling Joe Willock for the same price as Hussam Awar, yeah, you know, yeah, it's kind of. I, I love the nostalgia behind him because he is a, you know, a Halen grad and all of these things. And I think that I'm really, really happy for him that it's going so well. I just don't want us to do what so often we've done with certain players. And in six months time after we've kept him for six months, yeah, his, his value's cut in yeah. half yeah. because he doesn't suit the way that we play. Because even if we played with two roaming eights, we wouldn't be playing the same way as Newcastle yeah. do. I think that's more the, the the crux of the issue is no matter what formational kind of setup we're doing, we will always aim to dominate the ball. And whilst, you know, he's he's a technically okay footballer, 
he is somebody you want to arrive late in the ball, uh, arrive late in the ball, arrive late in the box, have a couple of touches and smack it a goal. So I just, I think it is time. We would, I know, I also know that obviously with AFCON coming up, we need to be very careful about who we send out. We definitely yeah. need to bring some midfielders in, but I do think this is like peak, peak value. Let's, yeah. let's get what we can for him now. Yeah, I think, I think, you're, yeah, you've convinced me. I think, I think with the kind of, with the incomings and outgoings, mm. a lot of the time I see kind of, you know, articles or, or people writing and going, well, we'll get, you know, this much for this player and this much for this player and we'll have, you know, 300 million in outgoings. And you're going, I don't see where you're getting 25 million for Torreira. I don't see where you're getting, you know, that. But I think with someone like Willock, I think there mm. is definitely a market out there for him. Probably at Newcastle. Absolutely. Steve Bruce's negotiation tactic is very strange in that it's basically just, we're going to buy him. every every After every game, he gets asked and he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah we're going to buy him. He's really great. It's like, that's not how you do things. Well, then Stevie. you just add an extra couple of million to the price every time. I don't really get it. Um, okay, let's get into the game then. And specifically on the game, the new kit. Uh, mm. Thoughts? I really like it. I, I really love good. it. I fucking love it. I'm going to, uh, I'm probably going to buy it. Um, I thought Kieran Tierney would look like a ghost in it, but he oh, actually looks but he right. looks good. One thing I yeah. hate about this, though, is we're not at the end of the season yet, and all this screams to me is, let me fleece you of more money in convincing you to oh, buy the kit It looks good. It looks fresh. I'm excited and to see the home kit. It's but, not the Chelsea uh, kit from the FA Cup final, so it's it's infinitely better. Did you see that one? No, no, no. It looks like they let the intern design it, and he like sort of rushed it. He like started started on the left hand side. It's like this sort of weird. Have a have a look uh, look look it up. It is just put in Chelsea FA Cup final kit or I watched the Chelsea FA Cup final new home kit. You didn't see it. It's really Probably. bad. I just didn't it's, focus on it because Chelsea were. You know, it's like Spider Man coughed. Isn't it? Um, um, just to keep going on about Chelsea, isn't it fitting that they seem to have found a manager that's as bitter as them? Yeah, I'm not a fan of this, like, we didn't deserve to lose. The only reason they won is because we lost, essentially. Oh, Jesus, that's fucking terrible. It is bad, isn't it? <laughs> it's like a load of patterns put together that does It looks like a, like, a, like a 3D printer has shit itself onto some blue fabric. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyway, let's get into the game. Um, so... Why would you even bot like That's just... I thought we were looking dangerous um, for the first sort of 10-15 minutes we appeared to come out with a nice bright start which is nice and not something that Arsenal particularly tend to do Um, I'm surprised we didn't let our heads drop as well from those two moments I thought yeah from the from the I think so often we've seen this season and I think this conversation again because of you know the whole fine margins chat would be very different if the result hadn't gone our way but this was almost emblematic of our season. You know, we dominate. A player should be sent off, isn't sent off, scores against us, and it ends one all instead of well, 1-0 or whatever. Um, but I think that it's important to underst- to kind of say that, you know, after that Chambers incident and after the Benteke incident, we didn't let our heads drop. We did keep pushing, probably up until the 40th minute, and then we kind of ghosted until the 70th, but we'll come on to that. I was surprised not to see Pablo Mari for Benteke. Benteke's in decent form. I think he scored, mm. I think he's now scored and four he's a big and four. Boy. 
and he's a big boy. And I, Mari tends to be our guy who plays against the big strikers. He played against Calvert-Lewin. He played against Kane. Uh, I think he played against Gerard Moreno, but correct me if I'm wrong. Um, handles tricky strikers and handles tricky kind of big guys well. Um, mm-hmm. But Gabriel, we had a moment with Gabriel where he he absolutely oh, pegged it back. It was a gorgeous Pretty much defending. won us the game because Zaha, Zaha goes through and scores that, you know, and we talk about game state a lot. The game state is completely different. And I, I, I think that we're not as calm, cool and collected as Erdegaard is to whip that ball in. We're just rushing to get it, to get it in the box and to get any quality of chance. So not conceding there allows us to keep the same mentality and allows us to keep the same modus operandi and methodology in building towards that Gabby opportunity. Mm. But in terms of the centre-backs, the uh, is there a changing of the guard? I mean, like, I think, for me personally, I think Gabriel has got to start a lot more games next season. He's been in and out mm. of the side, and I think every time I've seen him, he's COVID been... as well has had an effect on that. Of course, of course. But I think from next season, I think he's he's got to start really pushing to, pushing. to absolutely solidify that that left centre back spot in the first team because I think Gabriel looks to me as though to be our sort of hottest prospect in that in that central defending role. And if we can get him a decent partner. I think the, the the problem is, is you we, look we at, chop, we so you chop look and change Saliba, so much. Right? We, the thing is, well, right, potentially. we've got... We, well, it's not even... It's We've got to... Obviously, footballers ripen and age differently. You know, you're looking at players like Gigi Buffon still playing at the top level of football in his 40s. But one thing that we've got to look at is we've got two incredibly young prospects who seem to be brilliant. So I think what we need to do is have those two and then cover it with Mari. You know, I think that because Saliba brings in a lot of what we need next season, I, I, I think it's a big risk, but I'd be fascinated to see, for example, if we just go Gabriel on the left, Saliba on the right. And then if we feel like we need a bit more experience to manage a big game, we either put in Chambers at right centre-back alongside Gabriel because you know, Chambers has got a very good delivery on him. So I, I can imagine, you know, his his passing and directional passing would be quite good. Or Mari next to Saliba. Um, rather than, I think what's ham- I think whilst Rob Holding has been kind of a, an apt servant of the club, I think what has hampered us is sometimes we've played him and another not particularly mobile, not partic- particularly technically great centre-back next to him. And I think this is why we've banged on so much and sorry to cut you off, but we banged so much kind of on about like there is so much potential within this squad. There really, really is, you know, and once we sort out the squad and get rid of the dross and bring in some more quality, we will really start to take steps forward. And it's no surprise that we're the third or fourth best squad in the league since, or it might even be second since um, December. Yeah, Like, we're only behind City. Mm. And whilst that's been through some absolute terrorist ball, where we've not created barely enough, really, we were creating scraps at some points and coming away with a win, it's important to understand also the kind of thought behind, if a new, say, for example, we got Ten Hagen in December. Say we, we sacked Mikel 
before the Chelsea game. And Ten Hag comes in and takes over from that Chelsea game to now. He would be being lauded as a phenomenal manager who's completely turned around the hopes of and you've you've changed the fortunes of Arsenal Football Club. <laughs> Listen, I'm I'm still I still think Mikel has a lot of his issues, but after looking a bit more statistically and being a bit more level headed, like uh, I seem to have lost my way in not being that person when it comes to football. Um, I think that there are certain conditions upon which Mikel should be given another six months. Conditions are he needs an experienced assistant manager. He's own, he should only be allowed to do it if he is going to clear out the dressing room. If he is going to get rid of Bellerin, David Luiz and certain other members of that squad who lack a Zet, who should not be there anymore. And if by January we are sixth and six points, seven points off of top four, he goes. Mm. because yeah. it, it, we I'm I, I, I'm very quickly bored of the game oh but we were the best team overall in a calendar year because so often we, we had that with Wenger and I'm like well we sacked Wenger so and this is also me not saying that this season's been good enough and this comes on to a very meta conversation that we seem to have spiralled into that we'll come on to at another point we. because I think that there's a <laughs> that I've spiralled down into <laughs> Um, but because I think that there's, you know, it's all no, no, definitely. We no, were no, like fifteenth a... after thirteen games or fifteen. Yeah. Games. So there's 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 obvious conversation around the fact that obviously the first half of the season wasn't good enough, and that is as much Mikel's fault as the second half of the season. We're second in the league, and that's as much to do with Mikel. Yeah. So, hundred percent. There is a lot of positives moving forward, but back to but, the centre backs. I I understand what you're saying that we sometimes. We, we needed somebody who was a bit more um, game management aware at points, especially with Benteke and a bit more. Because I think Gabriel's yeah. quite physical and he's got quite a good f- stature and frame and he's dominant in the air. I just think that sometimes, especially with the time out he spent this season, he's not particularly game aware yet. And I think that's also come with yeah. language. It's maturity, I think. And, you know, he's, he's still only, what, 22, 23? I also think it's partnerships. I think this is something throughout mm. the pitch that, that we need to look at and need to be aware of. We split up the partnerships so much and so much chopping and changing. I mean, it's not to say we should have the exact same lineup every week. And I think I don't think we're ever going to really see that under Arteta. Um, but, you know, the, the partnerships and the triangles and the, the back five. It's also about the, cutting down the amount of positions people are playing in because there's a I sent it to you and I don't agree with everything in it but there's a fascinating video by James Lawrence Alcott on this and he talks about how obviously Man United have had a good season by their standards but the with the one stark difference is they have such a small list of players playing in the same places so players mm. can bed into that system whereas ours due to obviously due to injury suspension and a lot of other things is very expansive but I'm not even sure it's due to injury and suspension. I think I think a lot of it is just Arteta rotating and changing. And it, it, I think it's difficult because managers are accused. I think if you get it right, you're a genius and you've got, you know, you've put the right players in the right position to do the right job and you've got a great squad yeah. or whatever. If you get it wrong, you don't know your best 11 and you don't know what you're doing. So hmm. it's, it's a difficult It's like one, the conversation the, where people were saying that um, United need to be docked points for rotating and all this kind of stuff like... It's fine when certain people do it, but not when other people do it. But yeah, and I think it's it is it is coming back to those relationships on the pitch. You know, you look at take take United. You know, you look at Fernandez and you look at Pogba. There's a real 
synergy there and you know and Cavani Rashford when you have some consistency when you have that back four which has largely been Maguire what is it Maguire Shaw Lindelof and and Wan-Bissaka basically basically all year and you know De Gea yes there's been changes of course you know people are going to get injured people are going to come in and out of form but I think we've got to be looking at getting some consistency next season and getting a bit more of a here's our recognised back five in some games Pablo Mari comes in in some games and then he comes in or whatever it is but yeah, some consistency mm-hmm. would be um, would be good. I uh, there's not loads to say on the game. I mean, I, it was fairly uneventful in terms of um, chances and stuff. I think we spent a lot of time trying to just basically break down a low block. Um, something I think we do need is someone who can break the lines a bit better. I think Gabriel mm. uh, played Saka through for a nice chance at one point, um, and that was like basically our best chance because we just broke the lines. Saliba will get bring out them. of this. Yeah, potentially, but the the it's it's more from the midfield. I think what happens is, and, and one mm. of my frustrations from yesterday tactically, when you have midfielders or people who are going to basically basically the people who are in control of the ball, the majority of the time when Arsenal are in build up, you're looking at Rob Holding, Mohamed El Nenny, you're looking at probably. Party and El Nenny, pe- people who are in positions where basically they can hurt, they can get the ball through and hurt in central positions. We can always progress down the wings, and we do that. But centrally, two out of there four is a of big those, issue. Yeah, two two out of four of those guys basically aren't good enough to break the lines, or basically don't have the quality on the ball holding an El Nenny. Again, they have their own qualities, but they don't have that. Then you have Party and Gabriel. Gabriel's still not quite there. I would say Party is the only person who I would say, right, he's the person who can progress the ball. Once you isolate Party, we're off. We're done. You lose so that it, central progression. It's Yeah, and it, it, maybe the answer is Saliba. Maybe the answer is bringing in another central midfielder. I think probably both of those things will happen. But I think next season, we have such a plethora of attacking talent, as we saw in this game, that if we can update the supply line, I think we'll see such a big difference. Absolutely, 100%. And I think it's no surprise that we're being linked to Basuma and to Kamavinga, both people who who can stitch play together well. Um, whether we, I don't think we'll get both. I, I think we'll, we should sign at least two central midfielders, but I think that again comes into a conversation about kind of AFCON. Um, it, it is really difficult as well because are we don't want those front four dropping back too much and sometimes they have to to stitch play um because we we lack that centrality and i think that it's it's you know we 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 have these com- el neni's a perfectly fine squad member but if he's your fourth or fifth choice not if he's your third choice central midfielder and or i he's think your most that, agile, again, it, which is <laughs> yeah and it, and it and it comes into a conversation about like you know that it's the same as Willock. If you put El Nenny in, in a different system, he could start and look sensational. The same with holding, the same with any player of a Premier League standard. Put them in the right system with the right players around them, they'll look brilliant. Uh, but they, this system that we play and the style of football that we play needs more technically proficient players, more players that can pass the ball as well as tackle or press or harry. So having a player in El Nenny who... All he does is kind of run at people and try and get the ball from them uh, or pass it backwards 
just again it hampers us and we, we've seen it so many times this season there's there's the kind of picture that is in my head of when it's a real simple ball through to Smith Rowe and he's pretty much in for an opportunity and he turns around and passes it back once we sort these issues out and hopefully we do this summer by bringing in some some kind of higher technical quality players things will progress at a rapid pace yeah but for now we are kind of hamstrung in what we have especially because we're not playing Danny Ceballos because he's absolute garbage um and we don't have a lot of options in the sense that, you know, Xhaka is just coming back from an injury. It would be no surprise that we probably would look better with Xhaka in the side. That's not me saying that Xhaka should start in future, but for the squad that we have, mm. when we've had that Xhaka party well, yeah. partnership, we've done better at stitching yep. play together. Even if we've not always kind of won the game, we've, we've looked better. I think even... Even with that, though, if we got party and say an hour, a Camavinga, a lot of the problem is, and I've I've tried to identify this a lot on this podcast, is around the positional rotation. Mm. I think something that that I I love is if you're trying to learn football, don't watch the ball, watch the people around it, and I and I that was something I was really trying to do yesterday. And if you watch the front three, a very static front three. And when you're trying to break down yeah. a low block, you simply can't have that. You need to create spaces. You need a Bamingang and Pepe to to move. Essentially, I think I've said on the last two podcasts. Oh yeah, I've I seen frustration. So pissed off. So pissed I've off. seen frustration from Tierney and Saka at the lack of movement from. Um, I think it was you know Lacazette or whoever it was, Marcelli, whatever it might have been. But when you have Pepe, who is basically someone who you know he's caught, he's he's got his arm up in he's got his arm up in the air. For El Nenny, and it's like, mate, El Nenny's not going to, you know, do a forty-five yard pinger to you right on your chest. Like, it's just not going to happen. So you mm. have to keep moving and manipulating the space to allow them yeah. to move forward. And then on the other side, you've got Smith Rowe and Saka who are going to drop and receive. So and and, and go to feet. So you need mm. players who can move around, especially someone like Abamyang who thrives on making a bit of space. I, I'm so frustrated at the moment in his lack of. And there's probably a wider conversation about Aubameyang, not necessarily a squad building conversation, but how we use him as a player on the pitch. He's just become static, a bystander. He's not quite getting the same positions as he used to. I don't, you know, listen, there's there's lots of caveats, the age curve and malaria and, and what have you. But I just, I think... Someone like I don't think the age curve or or any like if he if he was still so badly afflicted by malaria, he wouldn't be passing medicals fit to play. Obviously, there's match sharpness, but he's played a couple of times now, uh, and there is no excuse for certain things. Like it was, it's before the Pepe goal, and the cross comes in. I think it's from Smith Rowe on the right hand side misses everyone on that in that six yard box and if Aubameyang gambles and goes far post he has a tap in mm. but he he stands there it's movement and it's the most frustrating thing because it's simple stuff mm-hmm. like I've often said on this podcast we're not we, we haven't done our coaching badges. We're not geniuses. So if I can see it, the fact that you as a professional can't see it and aren't doing it is the thing that kind of colours my opinion of you. And I think the the most kind of 
the best supporting evidence you can have there is when goals go in, it's from movement. Like you see it, like oh, Pepe's course. smart movement in the box, Gabby, a nice movement at the back, and Pepe, obviously, like a, a bit of individual genius, but it all comes from movement. And those, it all comes yeah, from. Yeah, and those brilliant moments. But, and, 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 and the manipulation you know, of space. Can, uh, yeah, of course, absolutely. And we can excuse Abamyang for, you know, maybe losing a yard of pace as he gets older or not being fully fit. So at 70 minutes, he kind of stops sprinting. But we're talking about 20 minutes in here and all he needs to do is lightly jog to the back post and he's not doing it. And so often we've seen him come off and look dejected that it's getting to, and I, you know, if I think again, it's all about kind of narrative. And if we draw this game, there's a conversation of going, well, our 56 million pound, 350k a week strikers not doing jack shit. But that is still the thing, you know, mm. he's he's not affecting games in the way that he should be. And that's as much on kind of external issues as it is him. Mm. And I don't um, know what's happened to his mentality, but he does not seem to be the same player that he was last season. And that's in, in every aspect, you know, because last season there was a conversation of, was he better than Kane because of how he was performing? And now... He looks like Yaya Sonogo at points, just constantly um, uh, like you go yeah, against you, against Benfica. We take him. Um, I think the, the yeah, it's difficult because we've seen we've seen Alba. We we he's a low touch player. That happens, of course. I understand that, but then when he gets no chances for himself, and let's be clear, it's for himself. It's moments like you just described, like. He makes. He's got to make space and move. If he doesn't make those, mm-hmm. he's essentially we've, we're essentially playing with ten men. Like it's it's really oh, yeah. it's dangerous. It's essentially pointless. Yeah, at point yeah. you know it, it does become it does become there is no point to having him on the pitch if he is not going to do the things that he is good at. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um, uh, sh- small thing. Set pieces. I really hope we improve on those for next season. We spend a lot of our time trying to break down low blocks, which does lead to little chances, indirect free kicks, little, you know, and that's the game that Arteta, I think that's the game that, you know, a team like Palace want you to play. They want to be breaking the game down. They don't want you to be flowing. They don't want you to be in, Yeah. they don't, they don't want you to be in flow state, man. But, you know, they want you to be getting out for scrappy corners, you know, all that sort of stuff. I hope we add some height and some set piece expertise next season. Someone like Bukayo Saka, Obviously, a fantastic player, nineteen years old. But when you have someone like towering headers in at corners, well, it's not even that. It's it's if you're if Saka's taking the free kick or if Saka's taking the corner. Brad's so disgusted by my point that he's leaving. Where are you going? I just sorry, my laptop's going to die, and I've got who scored that. (laughs) I think when you have someone like Saka, if you look if you look at other teams, like take for example. Palace, like they have someone like Eze or someone like Zaha. They have, you know, if Southampton have someone like Ward Prowse, United have someone like Fernandez. These are f- delivery experts. Like they, they really, really know what they're doing. So it's not only that, but it's also adding some height. I don't know whether Sander Berger at six foot five is someone to add, but I've often noticed this this season that we've we've looked small in comparison to um, other teams, and you know. That, it happens, but I think some adding some height specifically in the midfield and potentially up front would be really, really helpful. And just some physicality, just to, just to feel like more of a threat. Option. Yeah, maybe, but just to feel like more of a threat from set pieces. 
because it, it genuinely mm. never feels like we're ever going to score. And it, it, it's, no, no. we're not even putting the ball in the areas that it feels as though are dangerous at least. So it's it's both the delivery and the and the execution. But yeah, I some, think some physicality we, we need to set, like you say, we need to, if, if Saka is going to take our corners or, and our kind of delivered in free kicks, not our free kicks that we're looking to score from, but the ones that we're looking to kind of head it in from, then he, he needs the practice of taking every single one of them from now on. Just, yeah. just to keep improving that technique. And then we we need to add certain things to our squad. I think that Sander Burge would be a good option. You know, he was very, um, it was lauded as being a great talent before going to Sheffield. It's obviously not worked out at Sheffield for a lot of reasons. But so often we've seen... Them being bad, this, mostly. Yeah, but so often we've seen this fan base turn their nose up at players and then 12 months later... You know, they're absolutely destroying us for other teams. So if we can get him for a decent price, it makes a lot of sense, especially when we're looking at signing Basuma and then we would have Basuma, Party, and Elneny all leave in January for a month mm. to go off and play in AFCON. So getting a player in who would be available is is kind of the priority. And if he is available for, you know, a touted £15 million relegation release clause or even kind of 25 million you know yeah we would we would we would be better off for it squad building squad building um no you no you're absolutely right um yeah no we'll we'll see we'll see on that one literally obviously um the goal Saka and Tierney I mean what a back heel from Saka it's so nice even it's even so that, nice. I, I, the delivery, the delivery is pinpoint. The whip. Perfect. It's the gorgeous. Whippage. And again, a bit of movement from Big Pepe fuck you to Palace fans as well. I loved it. <laughs> from yeah, from they booing were, Tierney. They were fucking, why were they booing <laughs> Tierney? Because of the ward thing. Yeah. They're, they're, mate, fuck them. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was a strange one. But I mean, it was a great finish. Um, great bit of combination down the left-hand side, as so often mm-hmm. has been the case this season. And when you have players who are just better than the opposition, they can do that. Like it's that simple. Yeah. Saka is better. Yeah. Saka and Tierney are better than the sum of Ward and whoever it was, Schlupp and Townsend, whoever it was. Like they are. So I think it it also shows as well. Like yesterday was a perfect, almost baroque oil painting of why we signed Pepe over Zaha because Zaha's game yesterday was. Feel light contact, go down, look to the ref and pray that you get a decision, you know. And whilst we we can talk about whether Pepe has hit the heights of £72 million and what do we need for him to hit those heights, because it's obvious that he hasn't. Yesterday showed why he's the type of player we need over somebody who's get the ball, run at people, fall over, you know. Yeah. I think Arteta has spoken about his his change in mentality. He's talked about uh, a, a different. I think Lundberg was talking about. Um, <laughs> he said, "What does he need to add to his game?" I always find Lundberg's um, post match stuff quite interesting because I'm not sure how much he's allowed to say, but he said something along the lines of, "Basically, he needs to work on his defending and, and defending as a unit because he used to kind of cheat it in France, where he'd sort of stand off, get the ball from a counter, and run and look really good, and you know, look great on the YouTube highlight reel." I think Pepe's 
Um, you know, he's younger. He's he's still what twenty five, twenty six. I, I think Pepe could explode next season. Um, and I thought we had a you know listen. Ultimately, he's there to to win games for us, and he's he's been there a lot better defensively. I think he's in terms of our goal involvements, he's second, uh, which is uh, the same as Abamyang with nineteen, Lacazette just above him with, with with twenty. And if you think about game time in terms of goal involvements per minute, I'm sure Pepe's harder oh, God, yeah. than, that, um, than both of them. So I think Pepe's a really important player, and he, I think he's maturing. Um, I've seen, yeah, as I say, a lot more defensively, and I think next season could be a really Really big one for Pepe. We'll just have to wait and see. You know, it's he hasn't had the easiest of ride, and maybe and hopefully that's but that might benefit us. influence his mentality. Yeah. Pardon, that might benefit us. Yeah, and I know it's hopefully it's turned him because so what you you, you there are two responses to that: you down tools and you give up, or it creates a mentality in you and. I think we just have to hope mm. that it's the latter rather than the former. And I think that we are seeing that it's the latter because I think it is no surprise that it, I think Pepe is no stranger to the fact that he knew that Zahar was wanted by Emery, probably and definitely even mm. over him. So to turn it on in that game and to be as good as he was is, is no yeah. surprise. We just need him to do that on a consistent level and he needs to kind of do the whole Michael Jordan thing of and I took that personally but before every single game <laughs> as every 15 year old boy who's obsessed with Wolf of Wall Street says pressure makes diamonds so you know I think he uh, he's he's got it going on uh, the goal Ben Teke I mean it was always going to come was it the, the, the second he wasn't sent off for that decision uh, I think Someone on the near side, someone on the the ball side was playing him on side. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, the main issue for me was Gabriel and then he just falling over. I just pushed them. He's so falling over. I think. Well, the El Nani one I kind of get, but Gabriel just trips over his own feet and hits the deck. It was a frustrating one, yeah. and it, I think it's it's a difficult one because also the fans were back and we should talk about that and firstly how great that was but secondly oh, sensational well, to see depending but on fuck you know, but it's just nice to have fans back and you know yeah. to, to see the atmosphere and all that sort of stuff but I do think from there the the Hodgson re- referenced it in his sort of um, in his when he was doing his, his speech to leave he said you know you saw the impact you had and I think Palace the fans were kind of egging them on a little mm. bit and I did feel that we massively took a back seat um, sort of just before half time and then probably till about 70 or 80 minutes when I had to make the changes I felt we were completely out of the game mm-hmm. or certainly we were playing the game that Palace wanted us to play um I think the goal was the start of that but we we ended up you know Palace were first to every second ball um they they appeared to you know not to men, men, mentalize this if that's if I can coin a phrase but you know they appeared to want it more um <laughs> mentalize um, they appeared to want it more. They appeared to be keener for the duels. I think the crowd, yeah, as I say, crowd spurred them on. I was, uh, I was concerned. And then the uh, the camera cuts to Arteta, and I noticed he's got some greys. He's human in his beard. In his beard, he's be got long some before greys. the uh, before the just for men is whipped out. Yeah. 
<laughs> but listen, it's obviously been a stressful season for him and absolutely oh, fair enough. I think but- it's been a stressful season for everyone. Like, I don't envy the ma- a man who's had to, you know, this has been an, uh, the worst season. That's what's Willian in, in my training lifetime. every day, mate. Absolutely. But then, you know, he's also picked Willian a lot. So... He yeah. doesn't get away scot-free from that decision, unfortunately. <laughs> but it, it, it kind of felt like one of those days where we'd we'd be it, bemoaning it, the, a one This game was is emblematic of Arsenal season, this season, you know, especially if it ends 1-1. You go, well, a player who should not have been on the pitch scores against us to draw a game that we've dominated easily. And, you know, we... Again, I think it was late substitutions that I wasn't a fan of. And even though they affected the game, the personnel that he brought off just kind of confused and baffled me a little. You know, Aubameyang was missing for pretty much almost the entire game. So to take off Party and, and Tierney, for me, I was just like, why? Tierney's... Mm having a great time down that left-hand side. Party's controlling us the game. The two players that should have come off were Elneny and Aubameyang. Mm. But, you know, it's obviously worked out very well for us. Uh, I'm, I yeah, was, I was quite day pleased we, that be... Saka came off. Yeah. I was quite pleased that Saka came off at 65 minutes because I'm like, there's a lot of minutes in those legs. And like we've mentioned before, Look, we've now put ourselves into contention that if the results go the right way for us the last day of the season, we can get Europa League football. Fine, cool. Conference League. But it's probably going to end up the Conference uh, conference League because not only do we need Spurs to lose, I, but we need... I don't think we can get Europa League. Now, now, West, now West Ham won last night. I don't think we can get Europa League. We can only get a Conference League. I don't want it. No, I don't. I don't. Want it. I don't. Unless we're just going to play the kids, I don't want it. Yeah, and yeah, agreed. But we we've given ourselves it all to play. Brilliant, but it's more important that next season we enter the season with a fully fit squad with no injuries. So taking people like because let's say for kind of all intents and purposes, we we get let's I I don't know the exact numbers. I'm pretty sure we can still get Europa League if. West Ham lose their next no, we can't. couple of games. Confirmed. We can't. Don't worry. No. We can't at all. We can't. We can't. Okay. We can, cool. uh, we can only get Conference League. Wait, can't we get seventh? That's Conference seventh League. Seventh is... No, seventh is Europa League because of the FA Cup winners. Mm, I'm almost certain we can't get... Because Leicester... Europa well, I think Leicester need to finish in the top four. Which it doesn't look like they're going to do. Shit. Seventh, because it depends. Well, even if Leicester finish in the Europa League spots, I think that because they won the FA Cup, it drops down. So I'm pretty sure seventh is Europa League. Because it would be the same as last season where we... we well, no, not last season, but... Charles Watts says West Ham 3-1 up and about to beat West Brom. That means Europa League qualification is now impossible for Arsenal. The Europa League Conference League is Arsenal's only remaining way to Europe next season. Okay. Well, look, I'm not sure. Charles Watts is a lot more clued up than I am, so fair enough. Um, but we'll see. Who knows? I could be right. I could be wrong. I've got no clue. Probably to be fair, wrong. mate, I've got no clue. 
Like, if, I, well, I think <laughs> it's, I, it, it's, it depends. I think it's all to do with whoever finishes in those top places and who won the FA Cup. So I think because Leicester won it, if they qualify for the Europa League, that spot drops down. Oh, maybe, yeah. Because isn't that the reason that... Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, the hel- the hilarity of all of this is Spurs, Everton and Arsenal are all fighting it out to qualify for the fucking Europa Conference League, which is just, it's just like three pigeons fighting over a bit of lettuce. The one, l- listen, the one thing that I would really love is Harry Kane's leaving Spurs. If we could have a St. Tottering Spur day on Kane's last ever season. Oh, it would be lovely. Oh, it would the, be lovely. The, the, that would bring some joy to another otherwise hamstrung season. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's just discuss the two goals. Um, yeah. Uh, Martinelli calls for it. Great ball in from Erdegaard. Um, and listen, we discredit a lot of Arteta's substitutions, but I think it's Gabby's first ever substitute goal. Uh, obviously, Erdegaard came on for Saka mm-hmm. and the two substitutes combined. Credit to Arteta, credit to Martinelli. Yeah. It's also, you know, someone moving in the box. Watch it. He just moves, and it ha- something happens for him. It's, it's good incredible. choices of who to bring on. Absolutely, I just I, the, the the conversation is to who he brought off. I have no issues yeah. with who he brought on. I think that they're good substitutions, as in the personnel coming onto the pitch. I think it's more just who we took off that I was a bit like, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. And then the Pepe goal. Ah, well, just just before we get to that, there was no celebration from the players for the Martinelli goal. Go back and watch it. They don't celebrate. It's a winner in the, like the ninetieth minute. Yeah, but I don't think it, I think they know it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I don't know. It just I I think that kind of revealed a little bit about how we played from about thirty minutes to about seventy five. Yeah, like if you're if you're not bothered about winning the match, then fair enough. Like, there's nothing not to play for. There's job. nothing to play for. You know, because we know that Champions League's out of the question we we know that Europa League's probably out of the question depending on you know whether I'm right or Charles Watts is right or whatever who fucking knows um, who the fuck knows <laughs> we'll find out um, we'll find out but obviously and as fans we don't want to see that we want to see our team you know trying their hardest in every game no matter whether it matters yeah. or not but sometimes that's just not going to happen and whilst I'm pleased we won I also am kind of not bothered because I know it doesn't matter. The yeah. only thing that I, I I don't want the Conference League, um, and the only thing I would want from this season is to to be above Tottenham, just so we could put the final nail in Harry Kane's coffin. It would but, be lovely. Oh, it'd be sensational. Purely it'd lovely. Be sensational. S- speaking of lovely, Pepe's goal, just pure quality. Uh, pure quality. The first the touch right is sensational. The dribbling is unbelievable. You know, it's incredible. It was an incredible goal, and and like the you know we we are seeing I think before our eyes someone who, if Pepe scores like one or even two in the next game, you're looking at someone who's finished the season extremely strongly, and it mm-hmm. it bodes well. It's it's similar to like Brighton. Like I think Brighton, if they get their recruitment right over the summer, will absolutely explode next season. You can kind of get clues. I think sometimes people think about the seasons in terms of you know. Well, we finish this season. Well, we'll you're ninth, next season. so you're nine Complete. places away. 
Yeah, or, you know, you're completely fresh. But, you know, your form going out of the last season matters because it's, it, you know, it affects things. And I think Pepe's form will feel, make him feel confident over the summer. You know, decisions in training will be different. And I'm just hoping he takes that into next season because he he's looking really, really strong. And that, and that bit of dribbling, you know, they were shitting themselves, the Palace defenders. And when you get him in those positions, he is lethal. He's absolutely lethal. And, and that left foot is just, it's just nice, isn't it? Yeah. Sorry, I'm just looking at because I think it's interesting to look at maybe because we're talking about you're um, looking at more how we get European football. No, 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 no. Because obviously we're talking about training during the summer and I was kind of wondering, well, who's going to the Euros from the Arsenal squad looking? Because I think that that would be loads, is it? No. And that's, you know, that would be um, fascinating in the sense of hopefully not a lot because then we keep them fresh for us. Leno One is benefit of being shit. <laughs> yeah, Leno is, um, but you know, Neuer and Testegen will be starting, so he won't from get our a lot first of game team, time. Saka might go. Xhaka is okay. Torreira might, but obviously we're looking to sell him anyway. Yeah, um, Saka wouldn't play anyway, then, so. Kalazanak will, but we're looking to get rid of him anyway. So. Literally, probably the only guarantee... I know Leno is definitely going, but the only member who would probably play is Xhaka. And I don't think Switzerland tend to get through the group stages a lot of the time. So, yeah. you know, yeah, so. that's that's massively positive for us going forward. And I think the one thing that would be great is to have a lot of our business done before the Euros. Yeah. Because one thing, like we, we saw it with... I think, was it Sanchez or other people? We've seen it with loads of other people that it just, it, if they have a good international comp, it puts the price up 10, 15 mil. And in a really, really vital summer, especially when we're looking at people like Sanderberg, who could, you know, I don't know if Norway um, qualified, but who could put another five, 10 mil and five other clubs on his radar mm. kind of, it, those are the kind of deals you want done now and then you yeah. want to, you know, sort out the rest come yes. end of the season. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Anything else on the game, Bradley? Nothing from me. We'll see you after this. News and views. Don't talk to me if I haven't had my coffee. Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Just a quick reminder that if you do enjoy this podcast, you can support us on Patreon and buy me a coffee. Links are in the show description. Description. Hello, Bradley. Hello. Arsenal man. announced to face Hibernian in a pre-season friendly. Whoop-de-doo. Fucking why? Maybe it's in a, a, a deal with Josh Doig there. They're highly rated and highly coveted left back. Um, big news this week. Oh, David Luiz. I hope we don't get Bertrand. Christ. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, really, yeah, that's another conversation. But Christ, David Luiz exiting Off. Arsenal. Um, yeah. Made the decision. Good move. Arsenal have decided not to award him a new contract. I think we just need to move on from uh, David Luiz. I wrote an article about this for you on my Arsenal. Um, we need to move on from him in every sense, and not only as a player, but the type of deal, and this, this is something we can talk about in terms of the, the Bertrand thing. These types of deals, look at how Leicester recruit. Look at how the top 
clubs are recruiting, they're not doing these types of deals. It's it's short term thinking. It doesn't matter. You're going to get the same level of performance and probably and, and declining from a Ryan Bertrand than you are from a young 17, 18 year old Townsend left back who's looking to impress. Someone like David Luiz represents a state of mind, and we mm. we should not be we should not be pursuing that. Uh, the thing with Luiz as well, right? And with this kind of Bertrand deal, because I think that they're one in the same, it is the same type of deal. You know, it's like you say, it hampers our mentality, but also doesn't allow us to progress because these players so often take up slots of people that could be pushing forward. You know, David Luiz being here this season meant that Saliba was sent out on loan and performed brilliantly for somebody else, not Arsenal. And with Bertrand, the thing that, just boggles my head about it is I go, well, if we're going in for Bertrand, why didn't we get him in January when he was available? You know, apparently he was available on loan. You yeah, there's some loan um, for six months. James McNicholas said, which is essentially that if we if we go get him, that is can only be seen as a failure because if we wanted him in January, then we needed him this last six months. We needed him for the Europa League. So why so don't we go get him then? The, the only reason... If... If we sign Bertrand, that is a big red flag for this um, for this summer and for Arteta and the team moving forward. I start to really doubt the noises that are coming out of their mouths because Bertrand was available in January. We needed a left back in January and it wasn't done. So why are we waiting for 32-year-old Bertrand? If we sign like a Josh Doig or a young up and coming left back fair enough you can you can make that argument not to get Bertrand in in January so that you know this this the spots available for a, a youngster come September but I it it worries me that this is the talk mm. that we're hearing more about Ryan Bertrand than other players yeah I, well um, you know it may it, who knows what, what, how much credibility there is the I think with David Luiz, you know, obviously he's been a fantastic servant to the club and, you know, we wish him well. I'm sure he'll be fine. Mm-hmm. He's David Luiz. And, and we'll probably see him back in the game, to be honest, in some kind of coaching capacity. But, yeah, they were talking about, but to be fair, they were talking about him to Spurs for a year. Apparently they were interested. Or oh, like, please. Please, Spurs. Could you can. imagine? Could you imagine he does all three major London clubs yeah. <laughs> in the space yeah, of literally. four years yeah. or five years or whatever it is? Like, <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's the it's the idea that it's that whole Wenger thing of you know a young centre back is going to cost you points, but it's going to add value, and it's 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 smart business. And if we're, and while we're yeah. in a situation where we are um, needing to make smart business, yeah, then then let's do it. Let's plan for the future. Let's build. You know, yesterday's team. You know, I think the average age behind the striker was twenty one. Martinelli's nineteen. The average age of the back four was twenty four or something like. You know, we have a young side. I think we're one of the youngest teams in the in the league, and it's not about removing the experience. But what it is about is is allowing new leaders to develop. When someone like David Luiz goes, um, you allow people to step up. You allow someone like Kieran Tierney to step up. You allow someone like Pablo Mari to step up. Rob Holding to continue to step up. You know, and leaders that you know, maybe Rob Holding aside, leaders that you you want a bit more. You know, someone like David Luiz, if he's your leader, and he's you know letting Sterling through in that game against Man City or, you know, causing yeah. that issue against Chelsea, which he, when he got sent off uh, last season, 
that's the leader you got. So what does that set? What kind of precedent does that set? And that's not to say we shouldn't have experienced players. We will have experienced players. We have Aubameyang, we have, you know, Bernd Leno, we have even the likes of Rob Holding and and, and Tom, uh, Thomas Partey and El Nenny. They're experienced players at this point. But it's about allowing new leaders to grow and feeding, you know, maybe we'll bring in some sort of top experienced professionals. I think there's a space in our squad for a few more people who are about to enter their peak years. But in terms of recruitment positions that aren't absolutely crucial and a backup left back, you know, we He's could to get through another season with Cedric and Jacker, but we'd prefer not to. Um, I don't think we could. I think that that, again, would be the what just a horrendous decision because not only sure, is not but, having a backup left back ended our Europa League campaign. Sure. But in the position that we're in, we, you know, with 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 a backup left back who would not be getting loads and loads of minutes, some a young, hungry player. You saw you saw the advantage of a hungry team yesterday with Martinelli, or of a hungry player yesterday with Martinelli. You get more out of them, and if you mm. sign the right mentality and you sign the right guys, that's you know, signing experienced professionals who are stuck in their ways, or sign young hungry players who are going to be able to be molded by Arteta, contribute to the culture, and be there long term. It's it's simple for me. It's even cheaper, and you get higher. I just, I don't get it. I just don't get why we'd sign Bertrand. It makes no sense to me. Yeah, I hope we don't. <laughs> Please no. Yes, Brad's doing the sign of the cross. Um, okay, I think that's all we had for today. Um, mm. So we just got some time, Brad, for Arsenal trivia. Thierry Henry is the club's top goal scorer with how many goals in all competitions between 1999 and 2012? 224. Oh, Brad. Is it 225? It's 228. 228. He goals in all competitions between 1999 and 2012. That it's 175 is, in the league. 175 in the league. Remember when you guessed the first 3D match was like 1980 yeah. or something? Um, so much <laughs> in my fucking Jesus. Didn't let me think. Your next question is, name Arsenal's forever shirt sponsors in order if you can name arsenal's forever shirt sponsors in order if you can brad a pleasure as always always my friend brad's off to work he's in a shirt already yeah. we've got brighton on the weekend uh we'll be doing some season review kind of stuff and getting into more of a meta conversation and yes brad we can talk about squad building We're, at that point you can as if you haven't already this season. <laughs> As if every episode I haven't gone, why haven't we bought better players? <laughs> why do we still have Mohamed Elneny? Um Yes, no, we'll do some kind of season review kind of stuff, which should be fun. And then we'll, we've got some stuff planned for the summer. Brad and I will have, be having discussions about how exactly we traverse through the drudgery the of international ecosphere. football. I mean, hopefully it might be quite good. Who knows? But I'm, I'm predicting probably quite a poor Euros considering everyone's knackered. Um, and it's but, considering like that Southgate's talking about not taking Trent. Oh my god! Like he's just yeah. a fucking idiot. Absolutely. But we'll we'll uh, we'll have some light entertainment podcasts for you over the summer. Uh, pleasure. Yes. Thank you so much for listening to us, and we will see you after the season finishes. Enjoy. Peace. Bye bye bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. 
If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com, find us on Twitter at DiffKnock, and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Podcast Network.